Please join me for today's um, reading from 1 John 1, 5 to 2, 2. In our Pew Bibles, this is page 1021. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the appropriation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for us, the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, how's everyone been doing? There are some nods, uh, but more no nods. Okay. Don't worry, it's a new week. We got a brand new week. Uh, you can get a new card. Just pretend it didn't happen. Start over. Okay. Start over. Um, we live in a culture that by and large thinks that we can define who God is that God is made in our image rather than we are made in the image of God. So when, when talking about sin, it tends to be a very uncomfortable subject since it confronts how we want to live, what we do, what we think, what we feel. And I think most people desire to have their own standards and make their own rules, but to have our standards or rules placed on us is quite uncomfortable. I think. Uh, any of us who have children know this, right? They, they do not like our rules. But if those standards and rules are different from how we want to live or how we want to think or act, then we want to challenge those things. And, and this is what John challenged back in his day. He challenged the way people thought and how they wanted to live. That we are not who tells God who he is, we're told by God who he is and how we are to live by his standards. So let's jump into our text this morning, starting here in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him no darkness at all. We know that the source of our message is a divine being that it's not derived from humans. It is Jesus, the Son of God himself, who has given us these instructions. Jesus' final words in the Gospel of Matthew, we find this in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, the Great Commission, it reads this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, that great commission wasn't for the disciples to teach what they thought Jesus taught. 
The commission was to teach them to observe all that I, Jesus, have commanded you, that the teachings of Jesus Christ are, are not for us to do as we please with them. And this is what John does in the Gospel of John, um, first, second, third John in the book of Revelation, that we are to proclaim Jesus, his word, and the essence of the message is found in verse 5. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is not who we make him to be. We are told who God is, that God is light. And there's only one God, the Father of the Son, Jesus Christ. And sure, there are many gods, little g's, but there is one God, big G. And the one God is not who we make him out to be. The Word of God tells us that in him is no darkness at all. Now, in the Bible, darkness is synonymous with error or sin, or evil, dishonesty, hiddenness. So when we're told that God is light, God is the opposite of everything that darkness represents, that God is true, He is pure, He is honest, He is self-revealing. The people John was writing against were people who claimed to know God and who, who had some special way of knowing God, claiming they, they knew God, who we know is light, and lived however they wanted, which is darkness, which is an impossibility. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. That this simply can't be. It is impossible to say we have fellowship with God and live inconsistently with his instructions. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When a person follows Jesus, we follow the light. We do not follow darkness. Knowing God is, is done God's way. It is not done our way. We move from darkness to light. And we, and we no longer walk in darkness as we did before while we walk with Jesus. The way we conduct our lives is controlled, not out of control. And we can no longer live the way that we want to. And whatever our mind and flesh desire, we need to be able to cease that appetite. And this is who John addressed those who claimed to be of the light, but who were walking in darkness. Every single one of us here knows that talk is cheap. That people can say anything. But can they do it? Take a look at verses 6, 8, and 10. And there's this phrase there. If we say, say. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, talk is cheap. You can say anything, but it doesn't mean we can do what we say. False claims, false professions. No one can say they have fellowship with God while they walk in darkness. That's a lie. See, this is more, more than just that oral exam, that verbal exam. This is more than just that interview. And you know, you know how these things go, right? You have a verbal exam or, or an interview, and you can give any answer that you want. You can just tell them what 
the proctor wants to hear or what the interviewer wants to hear without really believing what you're saying. You just say whatever they want to hear. And, and you know how to give the right answer and you know what answer to give or the answer you think that the interviewer wants to hear. That's what you give them. And here it is a step beyond. This is, this is kind of like after that interview, this is that reference check to see if what you said is actually true. To see if your life matches up with what you say. And we can say the right things and we can pass the theological test with, with our knowledge. But knowing and how we live are two very different things. How do we live? What we say and what we do, they need to be in alignment. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and do not what I tell you? Our confession of faith, it needs to match our conduct. Otherwise, it's a lie. And why are we so afraid as Christians of telling people the truth? Why do we compromise the message of the scriptures? And maybe it's because we want to be liked or we want to be accepted. We want to be positively perceived by the community. Whatever it is, we need to look back to whether Jesus' question can be answered honestly. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Confessing Jesus is Lord with our tongues, but living a life unchanged by God. And this is the case. Is the fellowship with God really fellowship with God? And here, with the people John is addressing, he's saying, it, it, your stuff is based on a lie. It, it's not just talk. You have to line up your walk with the talk. And there are many who are walking contradictions. There are many times that we deceive ourselves. And, and this is a test we have to regularly take for ourselves or we will walk in darkness. Do we really have fellowship with God? And if we are walking in darkness, we don't. And we need to stop lying to ourselves. If sin has control over you, if you are habitually in sin, you have to ask yourself if you really have fellowship with God. See, God is powerful enough to break you of sin. He sets the prisoner free from the bondage of sin. But one of the issues is that people really don't want that type of freedom. They'd rather live in that sin, thinking that is freedom, which is in which is totally your prerogative to do. You can decide that. But don't fool yourself into thinking that you have fellowship with God while you are living this lie of not practicing the truth. Let's be honest. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, talk is cheap. To me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Church stuff. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
See, our fellowship with God is, is tied to righteousness. We can't claim to have fellowship with God and live however we want to live. And for those who really want fellowship with God, how is this done? And we'll notice that John moves from this more negative outcome to a more positive outcome here, that the tone changes from verse 5 to 7. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That moveness from darkness to light, dishonesty to honesty, error to truth, evil to righteousness, hiddenness to revelation will set us free. And there are great benefits in walking in the light, but it's more than just talking, and it's actually more than just walking. Because if it were just that simple that you would just know what you needed to do and then just do what you know needed to be done, that would be pretty easy for all of you overachievers, like all of you who did this. You know, I could do that. I know it. I can say it. And I can actually do it. I'm done. You're not. Because the problem with talk is that it's cheap, but the problem with walking the talk is that it becomes sometimes self-righteous. That you think you're all that. Take a look at Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. They, they were able to do the walk. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, people who can't walk. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's more than talking. It's more than walking. Our fellowship with God isn't complete with saying the right things and doing the right things. We need the power of the gospel to change our lives. It is beyond our abilities of what to say and to do the right things. We need something more that exposes our darkness, the very core of who we are in our heart and that inability that we have to expose those deep, darkest parts to place that darkness at the feet of Jesus Christ. That's where we need him. It's not based off of our own ability of what to know and what to say and what to do. For us to have a true fellowship with Jesus is not based solely on our abilities. It's based off of what Christ has done for us, who transforms us, who moves us from this darkness into the light, where the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin, where, where Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves. Walking in the light is more than what we say and do. It's what Christ has done for us. 
And one of the evidences of this transformation of being in the light is, is the fellowship that we have with one another. That we don't walk alone with God. That we have companionship with one another in the family of God. And it's an evidence that we are in the light is fellowship. Darkness can't be in the presence of light. So if you are in darkness and you are in a bunch of light with a bunch of other fellow believers, that is going to get shined on and exposed. It's when you're by yourself in isolation that you can kind of hide from all those things. See, sin has a very hard time getting past true fellowship when all the light is shining on it. And people are asking those questions. And people are wondering where you're at. And people are thinking about like, well, you didn't used to talk like this. Or watch that kind of stuff. Or act this way. And so you shine that light on it and it exposes what is separating you from God. And then there are those who have an issue with sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. In verse 6, there's this acknowledgement of sin, but in verse 8, there's actually a denial of sin. And John points out that that's deceiving. Humans have been on this earth for a very, very, very long time. And if anything, our humanity has proven in the history of all humanity, it's that we're sinful. Because wouldn't we have figured out peace by now? It's been a long time. We've had a long time to make a lot of mistakes. Wouldn't we have figured out how to get along by now? But you see, nothing changes unless we're dealing with truth, with reality. See, you can't solve deception because it changes all the time. It changes with the tide and being convenient, and it just changes whatever people feel like at the time. It changes to that. God deals with truth, and the truth is we have sin. That's the reality. So let's deal with reality and not deny that. We need to take responsibility for who we are. That's anything in life, whether that's our health, our circumstances, our education, our sin. We can only participate to change ourselves if we deal with the truth of who we really are. Self-deception is so destructive. If you are sick and all you do is ignore that you're really sick, you don't get well, you just get more sick. And it's not just to you yourself who you're self-deceiving. You're actually affecting others in that deception. And God doesn't work in deception. God works in reality. And then John, again, changes the tone to a more positive one in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this is the, the great outcome of living in truth, of being honest. That this is the gospel. We have this condition of sin which is extremely dark. But we have the good news of Jesus Christ to deliver us into the light. Stop denying the sin. Acknowledge it. Confess it to God who can deliver us from darkness to light. God works in reality. In truth, God is faithful, just, forgiving when we deal with reality. And this is the cross of Christ that makes it possible for sinful people to be in the presence of holy God. Everything 
can be forgiven, cleansed, when dealing with truth and not lying to ourselves, not denying. Look at this pretty strong conditional word, if. If. See, the good news is conditional. If we confess our sins. Because if you don't, you don't get this. Confess, not ignore, not deny, not run from it, but own up to it. Confess it. There is so much stuff that is hidden within us that if we just expose those things within us, they'd actually lose power over you. All that stuff that is taking up space in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit that is living there rent-free, by the way. And any of us who live in the Bay Area know that that's, there's no such thing. But on any of that guilt, any of that shame, any of that regret, you need to give that stuff an eviction notice. Like now. No two-week notice. No later. Give it to him now. Kick it out now. Take a look at David's psalm. And David is someone who knew a thing or two about sin. Hey, that guy he was a mess. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. A masculine of David, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as, the, as by the heat of the summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Don't be silent. Don't hide it. Be free. Confess it. You have some unconfessed sin in your life or something that you're just hiding. Expose it. Confess it. Some secret sin you're hiding, maybe from the people closest to you, like your spouse. I've dealt with many a man who is hiding pornography from their spouse. Expose it then it loses its power. It doesn't have power over you anymore. You're hiding something from your family, that relationship you're hiding from your parents or your siblings. You're hiding something from your friends, maybe that alcohol problem you used to have or that drug addiction you used to have and you got back to using again. Expose it, and then it loses its power. Don't be silent. You bring it out into the light where it cannot survive. It's like roaches. You flip the light on, they scatter, right? You, you're in fellowship and you have a bunch of lights on it. And the roaches got to leave. 
And then verse 10 is more serious. It's a serious accusation against God if we, if we don't acknowledge sin. In verse 10 it says this, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word's not in us. This is denial again, but, but this claim makes God out to be a liar, which he cannot be because God is light. And in, in him there's no darkness at all. And before we go any further, John wants the readers, the audience, to understand that we, we can't take sin lightly. And I think this is something that Christians often do because it's easy for us Christians, like when we're talking, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. We just kind of say that. And part of it is because we know it's true. We know it's absolutely true. But the thing is, I, I think sometimes we just kind of take it lightly. You know how it is. We're having a conversation. We'll be talking in that phrase. We all sin. We're all sinners. You know, that just kind of pops up. And then it, sometimes it comes off as, you know, that it's not a big deal. We're, we're sinners. We're all sinful. John is saying, don't go to that far of an extreme because it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Because that's why Jesus Christ died for us. Off to chapter 2 here in verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we are written this letter so that we may not sin. You see how we can't treat it so leniently that we can't just flippantly say we're all sinners. We all sin. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, we who died to sin still live in it? John didn't write this letter so we can just go ahead and accept sin to be a part of our life. And it's really dangerous to go to that extreme to treat sin so flippantly that we just say, we all sin, we're all sinners. That we lose sight of what sin does to our relationship with God. And then there's also the other danger of going to the other extreme, where we treat sin so severely that you get to that point to think that your sin can never be forgiven by God. That you can never be restored to God. And both of those extremes are not good. And John addresses those extremes in chapter 2, verse 1. John wrote those things there to us so that we may not sin. And Jesus wants us to sin no more. Don't make light of sin. But then he says, but if anyone does sin. Don't go to that other extreme because there is promising news for you. You don't have to think that you, you're unforgivable. You are incapable of being restored. Don't be so severe in condemning to the extent that you feel like you will no possible way have fellowship with God again because we have an advocate in Jesus Christ sin is in the world and as a believer in Jesus Christ this is to be taken very very seriously that when we do sin we don't take that lightly we confess it we deal with it we confess with our mouths we, we live out 
our lives consistent with the confession of faith. We submit our hearts to God to be changed and, and we don't go to the extremes of beating ourselves up so severely as to think we can't be restored or forgiven by God or to think like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. We trust God to cleanse us. But what happens when a believer sins? What happens then? We who believe in Jesus, we, we trust our lives to Jesus Christ. Those of us who trust that God wipes clean our debt of sin. What happens between us and God when we do sin as Christians? When we sin as believers, our relationship with God remains intact. The difference is, is that our enjoyment in fellowship with God is impaired. Now, thank God we have an advocate to the Father, Jesus Christ, who repairs this. See, advocates are absolutely wonderful. When my sister and I, we were young, I don't remember what I did, but I got whipped all the time. Like, man, I, don't, I didn't even know what I did sometimes. And so I remember this one time, the bamboo stick came out. I got, I got spanked with the bamboo stick. That thing was brutal. Left welts. But that's how I was disciplined. Long, skinny bamboo stick that left welts. And I remember my little sister, who was probably about six at the time, jumps in front of my mom. Don't spank him. Don't spank him. And, and it actually worked. It was unbelievable. Like, that never works. And it was the only in one time that it did work. Um, because every time after that, I was like, Blake, Karen, help me. Like, She's not going to help you. You know, come around. But I'll take it. That one time, I'll take it, you know. But here's the thing. Jesus does that every time. Every single time. And this is uh, uh, not a, a perfect analogy. It's, it's going to break all over the place, but I'm just trying to get something across. But Jesus goes into the presence of the Father as our advocate and says to God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus doesn't reason with God the Father that we're righteous or like he won't do that next time. He'll do better next time. There's no reasoning because it's sin. And Jesus doesn't tell God, you know, they, 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 will, they will read the whole bookmark next week. They'll, they'll do it. They'll like it. You know, they'll do it. So you don't, have to, you don't have to come down on them. Jesus knows we sinned. See, his advocacy doesn't point to what we say and what we do. His advocacy is based off of what he did on the cross. See, when we sin as true believers, God doesn't disown us. My mom didn't disown me as her child. It's just that our fellowship was impaired. And then my sister was the advocate for me. But I didn't have to get disowned and then go through an adoption process with my mom to be my mom again. See, once we are in Christ and you sin, you don't have to be justified again and again and again and to be adopted again, and to raise your hand again, and say, I accept you, and come up and pray, and all that stuff again and again. You don't become a Christian over and over again. 
If you're a child of God, you simply humbly go to God and ask for forgiveness, knowing that the only way to get that restoration with God is through our advocate, Jesus Christ, who will be faithful to say, Father, forgive them. Didn't know what he was doing. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. And so we see that evangelism is so important that people need to hear from us who Jesus is because there is no other way of reconciliation with God but through Jesus. What is our commitment to Christ knowing these truths? Because now we know it. And now we can actually share it and say it, and we can actually live it. But we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do something that is beyond our ability and capability, which is to change the hearts of people. Are we really of the faith if we are in habitual sin? You know, I've become so disheartened to hear believers who are in sin while they confess faith to be a Christian. And if you are living in a habitual sin, you really need to test yourself if you are really of the Christian faith. See, sin is real. And God only deals in reality. He does not deal in lies. He does not deal in denial. He only deals in truth. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You are light, and in you is no darkness at all. We pray, Lord, for you to shine that light upon your church for us to be bright lights in bondage, not to sin any longer, but to be free from it, that we would come together as a fellowship to support one another, to expose anything of the darkness. And I pray, Lord, for your courage to be given to my brothers and sisters, for anything that is holding them back from a complete, true, honest fellowship with you and with all of us here, that you would set them free from that. I do ask, Lord, for revelation in terms of what we know. I do ask for empowerment of who we are and the things to, to be able to say and do. And most importantly, Lord, I ask for a change in character in our heart, for us to have integrity for the things that we say and the things that we do to match it up to who we are as we are being more and more shaped into your image to be imitators of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.